0: can't change behavior without getting engagement. You can't get engagement without a great user experience. So which comes first and how do you get there? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers.
1: Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change you want to see. This episode is brought to you by Shift Shaper Strategies. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. Clarify your message so you win more clients, crush your sales goals, and build your practice. Learn more at shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now, here's your host... StoryBrand Certified Guide and Chief Transformation Strategist at Shift Shaper Strategies, David Saltzman.
0: We talk an awful lot on the podcast, usually in ways that are seeking success rather than exposing success, about creating engagement with employees. And it's the holy grail. And it's probably one of the hardest things to do. I think maybe in part because it involves changing human behavior, which as we all know is is really difficult, but yet it is the holy grail, as I said, of creating a better user experience. And today, more and more user experience is the battlefield where we all play because a lot of the other things that we do that were innovative a few years ago have now become table stakes. So we invited Matt Scoville, who's CEO at Medify, who specializes in this area, to come and chat with us today and share some wisdom. Welcome, Matt.
2: Hey, David. Thanks. It's great to be here.
0: It's our pleasure. So let's talk about and level set for the audience. What is the scope of the problem in terms of engagement or lack of engagement? And what are the one or two major hurdles that you guys have found that need to be overcome?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the scope really comes down to getting on the employee or the, or the health plan member, getting down to where they are. The scope of the problem is sort of overarched. You have a bunch of different groups trying to solve this problem all sort of at the same time. You've got your carrier and TPA. You've got the broker that's trying to solve it. You've got HR that's trying to solve it. You have the individual member who's trying to solve it for their own, and everyone's trying to do it a little different way. We sort of have an analogy here at Medify where we say you have all these different players on the football team. And when the whistle's blown to run the play, everybody runs their own play, and it's chaos, right? And we wonder why outcomes don't sort of arrive the way we want them to. And so one of the things that we do here at Medify is before we wrote a line of code for the Medify platform, we sat down with the average person and we said, average person, why is it so difficult for you to remember these health plan vendors, engage with your health benefits, make use of these health benefits appropriately? Why are you spending so much money? And we kept hearing over and over again, the exact same things. And it was, it's too hard for me to remember these things. There's so many options for me to consider when I have a healthcare issue. It's really hard for me to get help when I need it. You know, really the only thing I have is an 800 number. And I really just don't want to do that. I don't want to call, I don't want to take the time. My HR gave me some paper documents, but I lost them. I'm just not sure what to do. And so what we found was all of these groups were trying to engage the, the member, but using really old sort of antiquated ways that may have worked in the nineties or the eighties, but in the two thousands, people are different. They, they want to consume things differently. They want to interact with things differently. And so the scope of the problem really fell on how do we get down to the user level, the patient level, the member level, and do things the way they want to do. And interestingly, Every industry in America figured this out before healthcare. You know, shopping, entertainment, uh, interaction with friends—all of the major sort of pieces of the American economy figured this out throughout the 2000s. And at the same time, you had the healthcare economy still trying to ram paper documents, insurance web portals, and 800 numbers down these members' throats as the major way of interacting. And they just rejected it, especially as the membership. Of these health plans grew younger. You know, where you have today, the majority of health plan members are Gen Xers, Millennials, and Gen Zers, all of which are very tech savvy, and all of which use technology to interact in all these other areas of their life, except in healthcare, which is one of the major pieces of their household spending every month. And so it was sort of the last frontier for technology to invade. And that's where Medify really hit its sweet spot.
0: But can't you do that with AI and bots, for lack of a better term?
2: That is a great question. Actually, we get that question a lot. Personally, just as a personal philosophy, I am against chatbots at this time. Probably the most advanced one in the world is Amazon. They spent about $10 billion building it, which is a few more billion dollars than Medify has to throw at it. And what we found was it works okay, but still not great. Um, if Amazon hasn't figured it out yet, your average group who is trying to interact with the health plan member is not going to be there. What's interesting about healthcare issues is that they're very complex, right? The average member has a story behind the healthcare issue they've got. It's usually too complex for a simple chatbot to be able to help navigate them. You know, whenever you look at chatbots in the market, especially in healthcare, the demos that are all around them are like, what's my deductible chatbot? Oh, it's $2,500. You know, these are easy questions for a chatbot to answer, but that's 5% of the questions you get when you're helping someone live. You know, is my husband covered for this? He has a fracture. He was on the plan, then he was off. Now he's back on again. And, you know, it's a new deductible year. And we've already paid this, first dollar amounts, et cetera, et cetera. And suddenly, a chatbot is going to be completely lost on that. So what we did, actually, which is interesting, is we built our AI piece to sit behind the platform. You know, the crown jewel of Medify platform was our digital navigation. We have live care guides 24-7 interact with members in the medium that they want to interact with, which is text. They text, which is the preferred medium of nine out of 10 people. And we have AI that sits behind our platform that talks to our care guides to help them retrieve information and answer questions faster, more thoroughly with better information. And then we get to humanize the interaction by letting it be a real person. So we use tech to support real people, and then we let real people connect. And that's where we have found the best fit for those types of machine learning AI pieces is to support a real person rather than try to make it the face of the product, which is still very much lacking in terms of complexity for the average healthcare experience.
0: So, your point of entry for a lot of these folks is text, for the majority of these folks is text. At what point does it end up transferring to a real human being?
2: So in our platform, it's immediate. We have an average answer time of 47 seconds, which is faster than you can even dial an 800 number and wade through a phone tree. And we did that on purpose. What we found was people make healthcare decisions in the moment. They're not usually thinking through a lot of these things. They're in the hospital lobby and they need an MRI and they just found out it was $3,500 and they don't have that and they need help right now. They're not going to flip open their laptop and try to figure out their insurance website, email address and password. And they're not going to want to call an 800 number because they don't have time. So with our platform, they face ID and they are talking with someone under one minute. And so they're immediately talking with someone real. And that person is an expert in their health plan. Every shred of their health plan data has already been read into our system. So as soon as someone texts into the platform, we know who they are. We know that they have access to. We know who they work for. And we're able to immediately help them with a real person right away.
0: I mean, I, I know companies that have provided apps. And the apps have maybe a link to a concierge-type service Mm. and also links to all of the other tools to which the employee has access. And they haven't been nearly as successful as you think they might be. Do you have a a smartphone app that just has a single button on it that says text here?
2: No, so we actually, in our particular app, we centralize a lot of those benefits as well. You know, it's a one-stop shop for all your benefits and ancillary benefits that sit in the app and people use them every day. They love to get information on that in the moment, but really the crown jewel, like I said before, is our care navigation team. That's what people really wanna do. They just wanna talk to someone that already knows what to do. And we do, we have a single button that connects them with that person right from our the main screen of our app. You know, you bring up an interesting point, which we hear a lot, which is, hey, m- you know, Blue Cross has an app, or Aetna has an app, or my TPA has an app, or everybody has an app, and you know, we have a hard time engaging employees with it. And the answer is not that it's an app, right? We we sort of liken apps uh, to tires on a car, right? You know, you have to have tires for the car to go, but it's not the whole car, right? If you just have a set of tires, you're not gonna get very far. Apps are the same way, they are but one link in the chain. You have to have an app as a starting point for people to interact with. But if you just throw an app out there, people won't know about it. They don't know how to use it. Not all apps are created equal. Some have very poor user experiences, or it's difficult for people to navigate. And, uh, and we did extensive user testing on ours before we released it to make it as simple as possible for people to use without being educated. So it's not just having an app. You must have an app to be successful, but just having an app does not guarantee or ensure success. And one of the reasons for that is that People, again, like I was saying before, people make healthcare decisions in the moment. We have this sort of fantasy that people, as soon as an app hits the market, everyone has a hive mind and they're like, oh, there's a new app for my health plan. I'm going to go get it. And people sort of just expect that. But what we found was only a certain percentage of people every week need to use their benefits. So they only care about that app at a very brief amount of time. And so that's why we have a very, very, very robust, in fact, it's probably one of the pieces we work on the hardest here, a robust engagement campaign where we keep members engaged in the plan through a multi-channel approach. We send out material Weekly to members to engage them in the health plan, and we talk about the app and the materials, but we're really more talking about the great benefits of the plan they already have access to, they just don't know about. and then the app is merely the bridge to get there. It's hey, once you're ready to take advantage of this benefit, here's how you do it. It's really easy. you face IDN and you can talk with someone in less than a minute who are going to get you set up and and we become sort of the bridge, not the feature, and that works very well for us. We have extremely high engagement because of that.
1: And now, a word from our sponsor. It's a fact. Salespeople and organizations lose opportunities because they don't clearly communicate their value. In today's market, your story is your message. It should be crystal clear, perfectly arranged, and precisely targeted to attract the clients you want. As a certified story brand guide, we use the exclusive SB7 process to create that story and the websites and collateral that deliver it. If your message isn't cutting through the noise, we can help. Visit us at Shiftshaperstrategies.com to learn how we can help you find, clarify, and deliver a message that wins clients, crushes sales goals, and builds your practice. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. So learn more and schedule that call today at Shiftshaperstrategies.com. That's ShiftShaperStrategies.com. And now, back to our discussion.
0: So, you know, it's interesting. Obviously, sending information weekly is great for keeping something top of mind. But do employees start to feel
2: as though they're being over-medicated? That's a great question. You know, we also get that question a lot too. So here's the interesting thing. Employees self-report that they wish the health plan had communicated with them more because they're confused about this stuff. They spend a ton of money when they get confused and they don't know what to do. And they wish they had more guidance. HR knows this too. They want to communicate more, but they're, you know the health plan is one of many of their jobs, right? This level of communication it takes to really do this well is just very difficult for many HR groups to be able to do because they just don't have the time or the resources to do it. And that's why we work very well on those types of situations. So no, we actually have it so that any member can disengage themselves from our engagement efforts whenever they want, right? They can unsubscribe and we have less than a one half of 1% unsubscribe rate because people want this communication. They want to be able to connect. They want to be able to do this right. It goes back to the fact that members want to do what these employer groups want them to do. The employer groups want them to be engaged. They want them to spend less money. They want them to make better healthcare decisions. They want them to use their benefits appropriately. And members want to do that too. It's just they lack the path to do that. And that's what we provide. And when you do that, they don't get over-medicated. They don't get overburdened. They don't get over-communicated with. We give a very appropriate amount of communication. We get a very appropriate amount of response, and then we shepherd those people through the night to a good healthcare decision. I presume those communications are kind of bite-sized. Extremely bite-sized. They can be understood in less than three seconds. You have 2.8 seconds to make your point to someone on average at an eighth grade reading level or below. So we do not use insurance speak in our communications. 92% of people don't know what a deductible is. So we don't use words like deductible or coinsurance or copays. Those are things that most people don't understand. We use very plain speak and we always attach an action step to every piece of communication. And that action step is just text your care guide. One of our most powerful communications is our push message campaigns that we do through the app. Medify is not just a passive platform. Uh, We don't just wait for people to come in. We actually reach out into the population with push messages regularly that say, Hey, are you worried about COVID-19? You know, text me back. This is a live conversation. Text us back. Let's get you set up with a test or let's help you talk through what symptoms you're having. We're able to reach out to the population live. And because it's real people, we're starting these communications or these conversations and people reach back. They want to talk. They don't turn off these notifications. They want to be engaged and they want to talk with uh, someone that knows what to do. And those things always turn into other things. When we send out communications about flu shots, through push messaging. People text back in about flu shots and then they want to talk about the knee surgery they're supposed to have or that MRI that they've been waiting on. And then we're able to double and triple dip on some of these members to get them to those low cost, high quality facilities and doctors that they have already available to them in their health plan. They just don't know about. And then we see a good healthcare decision in an appropriate place at an appropriate time at a much lower cost. And because of that, it's really revolutionizing these plans.
0: You know, it, it's interesting in some of the large group sales that I've been attached to both in a marketing and in a sales capacity, I've actually had employers say, I don't want you texting my employees. Do you get that? And
2: how do you overcome that? We do get that rarely. And I will say like three years ago, we got that a lot more. Very rare today, but there are still out there that feel that way. So the way we actually get around that, David, is we never communicate. With the employer group outside of the employer group say so. So what they do is they approve all the communications ahead of time. They see the the materials, they see the communications campaigns, they see our wording, and they thumbs up it ahead of time. And then we take care of distribution and tracking. And that way, they're in agreement, they get to have this robust communications campaign that keeps their employees engaged, but they don't have to do anything except approve it. Or we tweak the language depending on what they want to do. We work with their schedule, but they don't actually have to do anything except approve it, and then we take care of everything else. So we get around that by just working one-on-one with HR and say, hey, this is the communications that, are, that we want to send out. Here's the themes that work the best. We work one-on-one with them if they have some special concentration they want to do on preventative care or some of the other benefits that they have tacked on, like telemedicine or narrow networks. We'll run robust communications around those as well, and then they get to approve those things ahead of time. That way, that material still goes out regularly. We keep everybody engaged, and HR still in firm control of the message.
0: Now, you said that it was a multi-channel effort. and I suspect that push notification has the biggest take-up, especially because of the demographics as you outlined them earlier, do you still do snail mail, hard mail campaigns, flyers, leaflets, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever,
2: what else works? Uh, Everything. You want to put this material in front of as many eyes as you can. And every group of eyes prefers a different medium and that's okay. You know, we'll do, we'll do push notifications. We'll do SMS campaigns at launch. We'll do mailers home. We will do printed materials. We will do email campaigns. We'll do everything we can do to get in front of someone to remind them of these things. And we, Know ahead of time that most people are going to ignore us, and that's okay. We're looking for that one to three percent of people out there that need to use their health benefits this week. That's who we're targeting, and then those people are the ones that respond. But then next week, it's a different one to three percent, and it's a different one to three percent. And we are able to loop through the whole health plan that way. Eventually, by just getting to people when they need to use those. But we do that through multi-channel, and uh, and it also varies too by group. More white-collar groups tend to rely more on the digital side. More blue-collar groups rely more on the on the more printed material side, and that's okay. We're very flexible on how we do that. But one thing unites them all. They all have smartphones today, and they're all reachable by smartphone.
0: Yeah, no question. Sometimes for the better, sometimes maybe right. not so much. Absolutely. But that's a whole different conversation for another day. So w- when you've got message A, do you... Use all the modes to send it out, or do you leapfrog and and do different messages with different constituencies on different platforms? Yeah,
2: uh, usually toward the uh, the uh, latter. We work with HR. HR usually knows a good chunk of how they've communicated with their employee group the best in the past, and we take that into consideration for sure. You know, even at a blue collar group, you'll have you know usually a certain amount that are office workers, the white collar piece, management that we'll get on the platform as well. We'll do a dual approach there where we're getting them on digitally, and then the more printed side for on the blue-collar side. Also, we've experimented, too, very successfully with incentives. We've been able to make deep drives into blue-collar groups by using some incentives to download and things like that. And then once they're on it, they're sort of hooked. And then we're able to help them. Getting the spouse engaged, if it's a heavy uh, blue-collar male dominated group, you know, the female of the household makes 85% of the healthcare decisions on average for her family. So getting her engaged is very, very important. Even in a blue collar group, we're really going after their spouses as well to get them on because they're going to schedule things for themselves, their kids, their husband, who's out working on a line or working a shift. And so getting home to her is important. And uh, and because of that, we're able to make really deep drives into that. But yes, we do it in a variety of ways, depending on what HR tells us works for them. And, and also our own experience at what works for these different types of, of groups, depending on the breakup of demographics and job requirements.
0: Interesting. So we've got just a couple of minutes left. I oftentimes like to ask our guests, where do you see the future of all of this going? Because as I said at the open, engagement is still a really thorny problem for a lot of plans. And especially as more and more advisors deconstruct plans and are out doing partially self-funded plans with folks, Mm -hmm. then there's more to message. It's not just that consistent, oh, it comes from the carrier and life is good, or I've got a card in my wallet with an 800 number on the back, I'll just call the carrier. So where do you see all this going?
2: I see it going more towards on the engagement side it's got to be based around technology it's the only scalable way uh, what we found was that people had the best health outcomes when they could talk to somebody that already knew what to do traditionally that was HR right 10 15 people would come into HR a week and say hey what do I do how does this work and HR would tell them but how do you do that for 3000 people on your health plan so you have to be able to scale that magic through technology. And that's the only way it's doable. I see AI becoming more of a piece of this. But as I told you previously, my philosophy is to have AI support a real person, a real person to person interaction. So scalable technology mixed with artificial intelligence, more information being called up for someone who already knows what to do to help someone who doesn't know what to do. I see it all based around more information. I see one of the big pieces here is traditionally the big sort of holders of data, which are these analytics groups, carriers, wellness groups, that data being shared. it. It's so siloed right now. It needs to be centralized so that employers have a full view of these of these health metrics and what's happening with their employee base. And then they have a platform you know, that's in, in the engagement space like us who actually takes that data and makes it useful. It actually puts it into practice and, and acts on it so that we can actually get a population to use less ER and more urgent care and things like that. So I see information sharing, I see a leveraging of technology, and I see a growth of AI supporting real human-to-human interactions. That's what's changing healthcare today, and it's going to continue to do so into the future.
0: Do you suspect that at some time in the future, AI and
2: machine learning will flip that equation where it comes out in front because it's just that good? I think it's possible. Not today, but maybe tomorrow. I see some real big strides there. Google has an amazing bot they're working on that was more telephone-based, but it was almost indistinguishable from talking to a real person. I think that's possible, and I think I would not be surprised to see that take the forefront. But as I said, healthcare is such a specialized area where the you know, you're not restaurant ordering or, or trying to find out something about a shirt you saw online. This is a complex problem with a lot of inputs and outputs. So I see that as being possible in the future. But as of now, I think human to human interaction is the best way to go. But yeah, I think it's very possible in the future.
0: I think that's a great place to end our chat for today. Matt Scoville, CEO at Medify. Matt, thanks so much for sharing your expertise with our audience today.
2: David, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: The Shift Shapers Podcast is a production of Shift Shaper Strategies and may not be reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without our express written permission. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.